On the 15th of April, 1989, the world would witness a horrific tragedy that would become the darkest day in British football history. At least 95 football fans have died. During the FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Supporters are reported to have been crushed to death. In the worst disaster in British sporting history. At Sheffield Wednesday's Hillsborough Ground. On the 15th of April, 1989, during an FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool Football Club and Nottingham Forest, 96 fans lost their lives in the worst disaster in British sporting history. It was decided the game be played at a neutral venue, with Sheffield Wednesday's Hillsborough Stadium chosen. However, what would occur that day would change British football forever. The day started just like any other football game, with fans arriving feeling a huge sense of excitement and anticipation leading into the fixture. With Everton playing Norwich in the other semi-final, there was a huge expectation that an FA Cup final Merseyside derby was in the making. For some fans though, this day held even more significance. David Warren was 11 years old, and this was to be his first game seeing his beloved Liverpool play. David remembers arriving at the ground that day with his uncle, all dressed in red and ready for the occasion. I mean, every fan has been through this. Everyone remembers their first big match and you remember the build-up and the emotion. But I remember vividly getting on the train and we were surrounded by Nottingham Forest fans because the way they were coming in was the same train we got on. So it wasn't the train coming from Merseyside, it was the train coming from the other side. And so I, I was kind of there in my Liverpool top. I didn't, you know, my little crown paints uh, Liverpool top. And I, I didn't really know anything about you know, different sets of fans at that age. And I was just excited. And my uncle is a bit more savvy, was just trying to kind of keep his head down and <laughs> keep very quiet. But I, I remember being super excited because I was a massive fan of John Barnes and he was in the team at the time and Peter Beardsley. And so for me, it was, you know, I, I couldn't believe I was going to this game, not only a game, a, the semi-final, um, to see all these amazing Liverpool players. So at 11 years old, going to your first game, everyone's got that feeling everyone knows what that feeling's like whichever team it is you've all had that experience of that sense of just massive excitement meanwhile outside the ground gary fairhurst had arrived early being a regular at matches both home and away gary would later find out that an unusual decision he would make that day could have saved his life i got my ticket the night before the game my uncle came to the house about nine o'clock and gave me a ticket for them um, for the leppings lane and i was going with two of my friends who had tickets for the seating in the side to the left hand side we got on the motorway in the morning and for some reason, I didn't fancy being behind a goal. I don't know why, because I usually stand behind a goal when I go to the games. But for some reason, I didn't want to that day. So I, I jumped out on the motorway because of lots of roadworks. And um, I just went along knocking on the cars, asking lads, did they want to swap their tickets? Um, fortunate enough, after a few lads I asked, I got a, I got a, a change. So I gave him my Leppings Lane ticket and I took, um, I took a seat to the left-hand side of the pitch. Inside the ground and as the game approached kickoff, it was becoming clear that the pens in the Leppings Lane end of the ground were becoming dangerously overcrowded. Fans began climbing the high fences that enclosed them in the stands, pouring onto the field in a desperate attempt to avoid being crushed. Began as thousands of Liverpool fans surged into a terrace already packed to bursting point. Tim Cross was also at Hillsborough that day. He had taken his seat at the top of the north stand closest to the Leppings Lane end. Like many other fans, he was looking forward to a day at the football to watch his team play with his brother. 
Confused and unsure exactly what was happening in front of him, Tim explained the horrific scenes he could see as people became trapped and helpless. The fans were coming over the fence. The fans started, they were up on top of the fence. The fence was maybe six foot, seven foot high. You could see people's faces tight to the fence. In fact, there was one stage there was people that there were, you could see the railings jammed into their face. It was horrific. And of course then, a short time afterwards that the, the referee blew the whistle. There was more people on the pitch before he blew the whistle than you know, you'd, you'd ever, ever imagine. It was like a football match at one end and then at the other end it was, it was chaos, absolute chaos. And I always remember that Grobelar in Liverpool's goal, he really didn't have much to do with the game because he was signalling to police that there was something wrong behind his goal. And, you know, he was doing his best to play the game of football, but he was very conscious, Grobelar, of what was going on behind him as well, as everyone then in the stadium started to get worried. By now, the match had become an irrelevance. The pitch, a huge overspill area for the dead and the injured. Many because of the very nature of those who follow football, teenagers and children. The game was abandoned after just five minutes when it became clear that fans were being crushed to death and were spilling onto the field. While spectators in other areas of the stadium were still trying to understand exactly what was happening, fans on the pitch were using advertising hoardings to carry the injured and deceased to uncrowded sections on the field, administering CPR in a desperate attempt to save each other's lives. One of these fans was Alan Parkinson. Alan was in the north stand with his brother Barry. His other brother Ian and his brother-in-law were in the Leppings Lane end. Seeing the chaos around them and with a sense of concern for their brothers, both Alan and Barry decided to enter the pitch. We decided to go down and assist, if you like. We put a few people on the hoardings and carried them across the pitch. I teamed up with a paramedic, I don't know if he was St John's or whatever, but he was a paramedic, and he was giving mouth-to-mouth to a couple of fans, and I was straddling them, pressing on the chest in synchronisation with the paramedic. I remember doing or trying to resuscitate or revive a couple of fans. Uh, who they were, I don't know. What I do know is that we didn't manage to save either of them. Fans became stretcher bearers for friends and strangers alike. Due to the overwhelming nature of the tragedy, some of the stories and memories of the day are difficult to comprehend for most. However, one particular moment will always remain in Alan's mind. After one particular chap who we tried to revive, the St John's ambulance man turned around and basically said, I'm on my knees in front of this guy and the St John's ambulance man has moved on and, he, and the, the medic said to me, um, come on, let's go and find someone else we can help. And he moved to another victim and the person I was with, obviously he didn't think he could revive him. And there was a policewoman standing over watching us and she had a coat on. And I looked up and she was standing over me and looked up and I said to her, because um, she didn't try and help, I said, he's dead. And she said, I know. And I said, well, could you give him a bit of dignity and put your coat over his face? And to this day, her response shocked me. And she said, you put your shirt over him, which um, I said, OK, fine. And got up and went to, to, to the next person on the pitch. Sitting at the front of the North Stand and only a few rows back, 11-year-old David remembers the moment where he started to understand what he was witnessing as best as a child at that age could. Something I remember much later on, um, it must have been about half an hour after the kickoff, so it was obviously when things have unfolded quite a lot. They started to line up along the front of the where we were, along the touchline, people who were receiving medical attention, some people who obviously had passed. I remember one person being carried out on a billboard with a blanket kind of mostly over them. And and I remember not being sure what I was seeing, but it didn't 
I knew there was something not right. I knew there was something not right. And I guess at that age, you, you, I didn't, you know, I'd never seen anyone who died before, and I'd certainly never seen anyone who died with those kind of injuries. The BBC Match of the Day cameras, which had come to record an FA Cup semi-final, were now witnessing a major tragedy. Sitting in the section above David, Tim also remembers the exact moment he realised he was witnessing a horrible tragedy unfold before his eyes. My brother and I were standing there and looking down, maybe ten rows back, at a bunch of fans with a placard. It was a like a, a hoarding thing with an advertisement on it. And there was, a, there was a guy on it, um, and there was about 10 to 12 fans around it, carrying him away from the scene. And I remember looking at it and thinking, the guy's arm was, was out to one side. I think it was his right arm was out to one side. And he was the colour of a grey stone. And I said to my brother, um, that guy's in a bad way. And my brother said, he's dead, Tim. He's not in a bad way, he's dead. And it was pretty much then that we realised that there was people dying what was going on around us. Now, I had a small radio in my hand, which I normally used to carry to football to hear other results. All of a sudden, the, the, the guy on the radio broke into this trouble at Hillsborough. There's been trouble at Hillsborough. And of course, we knew it because we were there. And then he said, the reports are that there's, there's one dead. So I said to my brother, there's one dead. Now, as the day went, we weren't allowed out of the stadium till gone five o'clock. We stood there and watched it all unfold. And during the day, as I said, with the radio, the guy was said, there's one dead. Then 20 minutes later, confirmed three dead, confirmed 10 dead, confirmed 20 dead. And as the day went on, we were getting lower and lower. We were sort of standing there getting lower and lower in our, in our space, thinking, Jesus Christ, this is all in front of us. And then we began to realise that what they're telling us on the radio is happening there, and there are 20 dead because there's 20 bodies lying over there, and then 30 bodies, and then 40 bodies. And it, it became, you know... Kind of surreal, to be honest. Many of those who were at Hillsborough that day have outlined that due to a lack of information being provided to them in a time well before mobile phones and the internet, it wasn't until much later on that they became fully aware as to what was happening at the Leppings Lane end. For some, such as Tim, he learned of this by radio, but for other fans like Gary, who was situated at the far end of the North Stand, in the furthest corner of the pitch, it wasn't until the first victim was brought over that he realised people were dying in front of him. My seat was on the left-hand side at the far Nottingham Forest end at the front and a guy was brought down by a couple of, um, I think it was St John's Ambulance or something, and they brought him down the side of the track and put him just, just, to, this, just to the side, would have been no more than five metres away. And he had, a, he had multiple fractures of his, um, of his arm. That's what I can remember when he sat him, when he lay him down, he would have had three or four breaks in his arm which is bad enough to see. And then somebody was giving him mouth to mouth, which I couldn't understand because I thought he'd only broken his arm. And then they put a, uh, they put a uh, blanket or a sheet over his face. And then we realized he, he must have died. And then another body come down and then another, and then it was just. In total that day, only 14 of the 96 victims were taken to hospital in an ambulance, a statistic that Gary will never fully understand. Because of where we were sitting, we couldn't understand how we could see all the ambulances to the left of us, we could see them, there was a line, and no, they weren't coming in, they weren't coming onto the field. I think from recollection and what I've seen on the TV and stuff, I think you'd only see one ambulance come onto the pitch, but there was bloody lines to them, and they, would, they just didn't come in. They didn't come in, and you're thinking, what are they waiting for there? I, I can see this now. If we could get down, we'd pick them up and take them outside and give them something to take. But they just didn't. And it gets really good. In the days that followed Hillsborough, the full scale of this tragedy became known. 96 fans, 
innocent people had lost their lives in the most horrific of circumstances. Families torn apart, loved ones perished, all at a game of football that should have been a time for celebration and happiness. On top of this unbearable grief, families would then have to endure the incredible insult of widespread and false allegations that fans were to blame for this tragedy, a fight for justice that is still going on today. What these four men witnessed that day are just a few of the thousands of stories from witnesses who could only look on in disbelief at what was to occur in Sheffield that afternoon. In the aftermath of Hillsborough, safety standards for stadiums in the United Kingdom were drastically reformed. Perimeter and lateral fencing was removed and most top tier stadiums were converted to all seeding venues to ensure a tragedy like this would never happen again. This year marks the 28th year since the Hillsborough disaster and is a time to reflect on the past and remember the 96 fans who went to a game of football and never came home. <laughs>